We are starting off our NFL Draft Prospects series here on Locked On Dolphins, starting with Penn State tight end Brenton Strange, who the Dolphins just spent some time with during the Nittany Lions Pro Day at the end of last week. You are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, Dolphins fans? Kyle Krabs of Locked On Dolphins, your team every day here on the Locked On Network. Today is Monday, March 27th, 2023. I want to thank you guys for making Locked On Dolphins your first Miami Dolphins listen of the day. You can find Locked On Dolphins on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And really excited to get into the NFL Draft Prospect Series. We're obviously a little lean on draft picks this year, but we have 51 we have a pick in the third round, and those two picks are really where we are going to center the draft prospects that we're going to be talking about, because those are the draft selections in which you can make a viable case for the Dolphins finding a meaningful contributor to the 2023 roster, and that should be the objective for the Dolphins, and if you can't find players that are going to do that with those picks, trade them for players that are already established in the NFL that can, and that's the objective. Well, we talked about Brenton Strange, the tight end from uh, Penn State at the end of last week on the Mailbag episode, and I wanted to dive deep into Brenton Strange because he's a player whose game tape I know very well, and we're going to talk about why. I'm Kyle Krabs, lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, your host here on Locked On Dolphins, uh, formerly of the Draft Network, been a draft Knicks since 2013, so about 10 years in that space and done a lot of player evaluations, did about 350 player evaluations for my first seven years in that space. And Brenton Strange is a player who I did the player write-up on. I actually graduated my undergrad from Penn State, so and I live in the Mid-Atlantic area, so I'm very familiar with the Penn State program, and specifically Brenton Strange. And kind of wanted to invoke, I'll go back to that 2021 series that we did with Kyle Pitts, Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddell, and look at players that are at positions of need for the Dolphins that might be viable selections, and go, this is who they are, this is how they'd fit, and this is where the Dolphins would have to draft them. And I had a lot of fun doing that, so we're going to do that here as we're transitioning out of this first wave of free agency, knowing that the Dolphins, other than maybe making some contract extensions, are probably going to be in neutral. You know, they agreed to terms with Justin Bethel. We got the Malik Reed contract terms. That's just about $1.1 million on a one-year deal. We're still waiting for the Reed detail or the Bethel details, and we're waiting for the Andrew Van Ginkle details. But the Dolphins are largely going to be in neutral until they make some other contract changes. So now is a perfect time to start preparing ourselves. We're less than a month away from the 2023 NFL draft. So let's talk about Penn State tight end Brenton Strange. We're going to do the deep dive. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you guys uh, kind of the presentation of him first. This is who this player is. I think that can help paint a, a very valuable picture uh, for Brenton Strange, tight end out of Penn State University. Uh, he is a junior, so an early entrant into this class. His listed measure or his confirmed measurables, I should say, courtesy of the NFL Combine. And this comes from the draft report that I wrote for Draft Network before I transitioned away at the beginning of March. Uh, 6040, which is six feet, four inches, and zero eighths of an inch, 253 pounds. Uh, 31 and one eighths on the arm length, 
nine and five eighths, so over nine and a half on the hand size. His athletic testing profile, a 4.70 in the 40-yard dash, 36-inch vertical jump, a 10.4 in the standing broad jump, a 7.25 in the three-cone, a 4.26 second short shuttle, which is a 20-yard shuttle, and 23 reps on the bench press. A little bit of bio on Brenton Strange. Developmental tight end prospect, has the frame and stature to play as an inline player. He was originally a four-star recruit from Parkersburg High School in Parkersburg, West Virginia. He was a two-way player at the time. He was a tight end, defensive back, and outside linebacker, also lettering in high school in basketball. Not a big surprise. You see a lot of tight ends uh, that go on to have success in the NFL. They have that basketball athletic background. Strange did that at the high school level. I was third-team All-State in basketball as a junior and named the football team's MVP for his final two seasons before committing to Penn State. Uh, He redshirted his true freshman season there after playing in two games, and he set career highs in every receiving category in Happy Valley, earning third-team All-Big Ten honors in 2022 in the process. So just some context. Just threw a lot of numbers at you, a lot of statistics at you. Brenton Strange, uh, that, that athletic profile that we mentioned, want to contextualize some of those numbers. Uh, that 253 pounds is 52nd percentile. His 10-yard split, we didn't mention that, the, the 4-7 is 66th percentile of NFL tight ends going back to like 2000 to come through the NFL combine. So that's in the upper third of 40-yard dash times for tight ends. So it's good. It's good. But where you really see it is some of the other more initial explosive measures that you can take. The 10-yard split, the first 10 yards of the 40-yard dash, the start. 1.5 seconds, 5.7 seconds was the 91st percentile of tight ends. Top 10% top ten percent of tight ends since 2000. His vertical jump of 36 was 82nd percentile. So top 20%. That standing broad jump of 10 feet 4 was 92nd percentile since 2001 amongst tight ends, so also top 10% test. The agilities, uh, they they were below average, but the initial explosiveness is quite apparent there. Uh, Brenton Strange, I think when you look at him on tape, there's a lot of really exciting flashes. Uh, The the top reasons that I had to buy in for Brenton Strange, and this is courtesy of the the draft report that I still have that is up over draftnetwork.com if you want to read the whole thing. Impressive run after the catchability for the tight end. Strong hands at the catch point. NFL build to play inline position as a traditional tight end. Top reasons for concern. Inline blocking ability stands to improve. Separation against man coverage is a lingering question, and route running in general will need continued development. So when you think about tight ends and the transition into the NFL phase in general, a lot of parallels, right? Because blocking college defensive linemen versus blocking NFL defensive linemen is a little different experience. Running routes against NFL DBs is a little different experience than running routes against college DBs. And separating its main coverage for most tight ends is not usually a hallmark trait unless you're a guy like a Sam Laporta, who used to be a wide receiver, playing at Iowa. We'll talk about Sam Laporta here in a little while. Uh, Not today, but um, we're planning on running the gauntlet on the tight end position. I'll just say that. How's that? So before we talk about where he fits and we really dive into kind of the observations that I saw as far as his traits on the field, I want to make sure we take a little bit of time today to talk about our friends over at FanDuel. The March Madness is full. 
force right now. We have the final four on the men's side. We're close to the final four on the women's side. Tournament is heating up. There's no better place to get on, on the action than at FanDuel, America's number one sports book. And that's because right now, FanDuel is giving customers a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. It's up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet does not win. So go to FanDuel.com slash locked on and sign up today to claim your no-sweat first bet. And then you can wager on everything from money line, point scores, three drains, everything in between, you name it, all on an app that is safe, secure, and super easy to use. Don't miss your shot at the No Sweat First Bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Go to fanduel.com slash lockdown to sign up. Make every moment more with FanDuel. So how does he fit? I think one thing that would be appropriate here is to, to read through a couple of the bodies of text from the notes that I had assembled on Brenton Strange as a player and then extrapolate and twist that into how it fits within what we are expecting the Dolphins' tight end position to look like as that room continues to be remodeled. On a roster that featured some incredibly gifted skill players, Brenton Strange made perhaps the biggest splash for Penn State in the first month of the 2022 season. Size, athleticism, and balance are hallmark traits. This is not a flex tight end, although he's certainly athletic enough to handle such responsibilities and has illustrated the ability to win in space as a pass catcher. He is a true inline player who has helped serve as a catalyst in the running game and the passing game alike, showing good drive block and leg drive ability once he's secure on defenders at the point of attack. He shined against Auburn in consecutive seasons for anyone who questions his physical nature and ability to play on the line of scrimmage. Penn State has used him in a variety of alignments. They don't just sneak him into favorable short route matchups, but also provide angles in the running game. Some of their short yardage packages from 2021 featured Strange in the backfield as a fullback as well. His fans are reliable, but where he really shines is after the catch. He's a plus athlete, one of the hardest open field tackles I've seen early in the 2022 college football season. His contact balance, size, and toughness all shine in this regard, be it against Purdue in a tremendous effort to score in a long touchdown after the catch, or against Auburn to consistently create a missed tackle and find extra yards for the offense. Strange has largely been rotated throughout the early chapters of his career, so it's easy to understand that volume is not a strength of his resume. That said, growth areas are easy to identify, and he has the tools to build on them. His work in protection is effective, but he certainly has room to improve with his strike, latch, and his angles to frame rushers on the edge. His run game work hits big due to his contact balance and power, but I also think he's a player who can continue to grow in first contact to win the point of attack initially to cleanly secure blocks and be more consistent creating push. It's worth noting that he's had his most impactful games as a pass catcher against the biggest competition, Ohio State, Auburn, and Michigan State, but you'd absolutely like to see a more consistent impact as a weapon receiving the football from week to week. I'm not sure he's got a second gear needed to truly break the same kinds of runs he hit this past year while playing in the pros, but that said, I'd imagine he's going to be an absolute unit and chore for tackling from NFL defensive backs. So we were asked on Power to the Pod at the end of the week, the beginning of the weekend, what should the tight end play look like? And I answered that question without actually going back and reading that body of text that is from my draft report that, that is still up on draftnetwork.com. And there's, there's more to it there if you do want to go and read the entire thing. I would encourage you guys to do that. But I, I couldn't help but, but chuckle when I reflected on what my answer was and see that there's already some evident overlaps with what I had written down from Brenton Strange when I did his write-up in November. 
Um, he was one of the ones I got to early. I had watched him at the beginning of the season because he made some some big receiving production, and then I finalized his film report uh, about the third week in November, I believe. So as I look at this player, he has the ability to move around in different points and alignments. And I think that's really critical for how he would fit with the Dolphins because when you consider Mike McDaniel, core principles, how many different ways can you get into them? And Alec Ingold was so valuable for the Dolphins because he can line up at an H-back, he can line up in the backfield, he can line up at split back in shotgun, and he did all of those things. And he ran routes out of the backfield, he lead blocked out of the backfield, he carried the ball out of the backfield. To have a player at the tight end position who you can line up in line, in the backfield, and at H-back, if you have two of those players and they have the interchangeability to line up at different spots, the headaches that that is going to create for the box defenders to be able to get up to the line of scrimmage and take the inventory, and then on top of that, the Dolphins with 10 and 17, with all the different places that they can line up, there's a lot of pre-snap inventory that has to be taken. Because if it's Ingold versus a player like a Brenton Strange, you would suddenly find yourself having to prepare for different expected routes that are run. But the versatility challenge comes when what happens when Alec Ingold runs the route that Brenton Strange is expected to run out of the same concept, but you aren't looking for that. You're looking for something else because you see it's the other player. So you can play a lot of head games with NFL defenders. A lot of NFL defenders, it's, it's about, okay, I want to process as much information on the formation, the down and distance, the game situation, all before the snap. I want to be prepared, as prepared at the snap as I possibly can be. The more hurdles that you introduce to those NFL defenders to getting seeing the offense come out of the snap, out of the huddle, lined up on the football, and from the time that they break the huddle to the time that they snap the ball, the more barriers and blockades that you can introduce into how much information they can effectively sort through is going to make you a harder and harder NFL team to defend. And that is what a player who is capable of lining up at H-back lining up in the backfield, lining up in the slot, and lining up a tight end can do. Now, that only works if you're effective in those phases, right? I can take any player and put him at tight end and then take him and put him at split end and then take him and put him in the backfield and then take him and put him at fullback. But can you actually do those things functionally and feasibly well? And I think Brenton Strange is a player who can. He's a player who um, the... Body mass, Penn State strength and conditioning program is, is outstanding. They have put plus-plus athletes into the NFL consistently, annually, for about the, the last decade now. Whether it's the defensive backs, or it's Saquon Barkley, or it's a guy like Brenton Strange, who maybe isn't the universal, like the Mike Gusecki uh, maxed-out spider chart for athletic testing. Um, there, there has been consistently good good athletes that Penn State, Penn State recruits athletes. And perhaps that's a good place to take this, is what would be the biggest difference between a Brenton Strange and a Mike Isecki, another Penn State tight end. And I'm sitting here talking about the, the percentiles for his explosiveness numbers. And, well, Kyle, Mike Isecki had all those too. Um, Brenton is looser 
if that makes sense. And not that like Mike tested well with the agilities and stuff, like everything was just about maxed out for him, like in a combine setting. But when you watched Mike in pads, Mike was like 6'6". Brenton Strange is like 6'04", 6'03", 6'6". 6'3 and three quarters, 6'4 on the dot. Lower center gravity, lower hips. It shows. It certainly shows. I think Mike was much more of a linear threat and weapon. And when you had to charge him to play with leverage, to play through contact, he couldn't consistently because he's high, right? He's, it's just a high build. He's a high, long build. Brenton's a little bit more condensed. He's a little bit thicker. And he's a little looser because his center of gravity is lower. So he can absorb contact or he can change direction much better. I think that's probably the word that I would describe the biggest split between the two is leverage. And I think that's big for the Dolphins because if you're going to win at the point of attack and you're going to win as a blocker in the NFL, you need to have leverage. You need to be able to get under the pads of defenders and have leverage so that you can deliver a blow to offset momentum and successfully stave off the upfield push of defensive players. He has the building blocks to do it. He's got a lot of mass below the waist. He's, he's built like an NFL tight end. He's not built like a tall, long, big wide receiver. And you see it. You, you see the push. There, there's an urgency in which he plays the game when he gets his hands latched on defensive players. They really care, are capable of moving the point of attack. Now, why is he not universally accepted as a uh, top tight end prospect? You know, I certainly think there's, there's a, a stratosphere of Michael Mayer and Luke Musgrave, Mayer from Notre Dame, Musgrave from Oregon State, uh, Dalton Kincaid from Utah. Uh, Musgrave is more prototypical build, and he's a better athlete. He's a more dynamic player. The other players, Mayer, Kincaid, I'd include Laporta in this. They're, they're players that have had much more production than him. And the tight end position in the NFL, especially in an offense like Penn State's where the quarterback play is not good, it can be hard sometimes to contextualize what you're seeing because there's a lot that happens away from the ball that cues you in on whether or not this is a good player. And the quarterback play in Penn State just like with Iowa with Laporta, and Laporta, but Iowa has no wide receivers. So Laporta is like the only option in the passing game. Well, Penn State the last couple of years has had a number of like big-time dudes. Like you just had Jahan Dotson that came out. Um, they have two wide receivers in this year's class, including Mitchell Tinsley, uh, who's a little bit of an under-the-radar route runner, who's a transfer that came over there uh, to Penn State. They have other weapons in the passing game, the tight end is not a primary featured target, just like it would not be in Miami. But when he got his opportunities, he made a lot of them. And he's enough of a well-rounded player that he can contribute in the other elements when he's not asked to be an early progression player in the passing game. And that's the big difference where I think what the Dolphins have had at tight end with Mike Isecki and the other depth and complementary players they've had in the room, I think that's a big divide that would set Brenton Strange up. We're going to talk about where the Dolphins would have to draft Brenton Strange next here today on the show as we bring this first episode of our NFL Draft Prospect Series to a close.
So let's talk about draft picks. The Dolphins don't have too many at their disposal, right? We have the second round pick at 51 overall. The team has another scheduled pick that's in the third round, 84th overall. And they have 197 and 238 as things currently stand. I would expect we will find at least one other draft pick along the way. But we're not there yet. 51, I don't, I don't think, is the price that you'd have to pay for Brian Strange. Uh, but I do think the floor in which you could get him is 84. Is there a world which he lasts past 84? Maybe you trade down if the tight end run doesn't happen early in this year, in the early portions of the draft? Yes. But when I stack up this tight end chart in general, and I think about where exactly I would consider Brenton Strange to be ranked among them. If you look at the tight ends in this year's class, and I have the, the, the full class up now, you have Michael Mayer, Dalton Kincaid. I did not mention Darnell Washington, and I should have. Luke Musgrave, Sam Laporta. It's generally considered to be everybody's consensus top five, unless you want to put Tucker Craft in there from South Dakota State, and I probably would. I put Tucker Craft above at least one of those guys. This is your tight end seven. And even if you, even if you want to say, well, he's better than, than Tucker Craft and he's better than Luke Musgrave, just as, as two examples, because Musgrave didn't have production last year. He got hurt. I get it. If you have a question there. Even if you want to put him at tight end five, what you can do is you can go to NFL draft history and you can search by position to see how early tight ends are coming off the board. And I love doing this because it really puts historical context on what assumptions you're making based on mock drafts and player rankings and so on and so forth. But for example, the uh, fifth tight end in last year's draft went 106 overall. The fifth tight end in 2021 went 97 overall. The fifth tight end in 2020 went 105 overall. The fifth tight end in 2019 went 69 overall. Okay, so we'll start 2019, and we're going to come back to that class. The fifth tight end in 2018 went 98th overall. The fifth tight end in 2017 went 45 overall. We're going to star that group as well. The fifth tight end in 2016 went 138. The fifth tight end in 2015 went 117. The fifth tight end in 2014 went 65. The fifth tight end in 2013, and that's as far back as I'll go, Went 63rd. That was Travis Kelsey, by the way. Oh, by the way. So the majority of years, you're talking about a fringe end of third round pick is that top tight end. But you think about if you extend that to potentially tight end seven and the caliber of player who's tight end seven, whether it is Brenton Strange or Tucker Craft or Luke Musgrave or Darnell Washington, whoever that player ends up being, Traditionally speaking, that's an early day three pick. Now, it's a great tight end class. We're going to see more go. And I think that's when you look at 2019, one of the years in which the fifth tight end was off the board in the top 75 picks, TJ Hawkinson and Noah Fant win the top 20. Well, yeah, when they go early like that, it's going to change the whole domino effect. Then you have Irv Smith win at 50 overall. Drew Sample win at 52. Josh Oliver was the fifth tight end. He went at 69 and then you had Jay Sternberger at 75, 
Kyle Waring at 86, and then Dawson Knox at 96. You had eight tight ends going to the top 100. That's the kind of class that you can have. Now, Hawkinson, Fant, Oliver just got paid $7 million per. Dawson Knox got a big contract. There's some good players in there. There's some grenades, too. We're going to be honest. You don't think the Bengals might not want to have as their their tight end right now is Devin Asai Asai and two guys who are Tanner Hudson and and uh, some guy I've never heard of are the only three tight ends on their roster. You don't think they might not want a, a gimme back with drafting Drew Sample? Kyle Warren with the Texans. If the, if you get an early run, you have the chance to see it catch fire. In which case, you might be getting your best chance at eighty four to pick tight end seven or tight end eight. But the vast majority of years, you should be getting a top five tight end in the class that early on. And I look at this year's group, and I don't think the first tight end goes until probably in the 20s. I'd be surprised if Mayer, Kincaid, or Musgrave went before the top 20. So I think it sets itself up favorably, where when you had Hawkinson go at eight, it kind of changes the whole complexion. For 2017, that other class that we said that we were going to flag, you had O.J. Howard, Evan Ingram, and David Njoku, and they went within 10 picks of each other, 19, 23, and 29. And you, Gerald Everett and Adam Shaheen at 44, 45. So that was the fifth tight end was at 45. Tight end six didn't come off till 100. So we're going to commit time to all of these tight ends with the understanding that that's probably a sweet spot is 84, unless one of the big ones falls to you at 51 and in which case it would be too good to pass up. My preferred avenue right now would probably be to use the third-round pick on one unless one of the big ones falls to you. If you get Luke Musgrave, Michael Mayer, or Darnell Washington at 51, I'm probably taking him. I'm, I'm running the card in, and I'm not looking back. But that's what the next several weeks of this show are largely going to be committed to, is investigating individual players and the resumes that they have and what the overlap would look like for the Dolphins. And then after we get some of them in, we can start to compare and contrast them against each other, which I'm very much looking forward to. So make sure you keep it locked in right here on Locked on Dolphins, your team every day. Fins up. I appreciate you guys checking out the show. Make it a great rest of your day. You can find Locked on Dolphins on YouTube or wherever you find your podcast. Why don't you go ahead and make Locked on NFL Scouting with the Draft Dudes, your second listen of the day. Joe Marino and I just went through the AFC with our biggest question mark remaining for each of the AFC franchises. Good landscape of the entire AFC, which of course are the teams that the Dolphins are competing with for a playoff spot again in 2023. Check that out as well. Fins up, keep it locked in, right here on Locked on Dolphins. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.